This is Write Your Own Story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian. So we did a poll recently on Instagram and asked what kind of content you wanted more of on the podcast. And the choice between, I think it was leadership and burnout, was an overwhelming response that you wanted more content on burnout. So I'm here to serve you up what you asked for. I have been in a deep dive into looking for patterns around the burnout report from 1974. If you go back a few episodes, I talk a lot about this. Herbert Friedenberger, German-American psychologist, published the first report on burnout in 1974. And I started thinking about, well, just the fact that it was 1974, I was eight years old, history of work that if you've seen me keynote or you've heard me talk about it here, it's usually a part of the conversation I have, which is the shift from the agricultural age of society into the industrial age of society. And so when we made that shift from the agricultural farming community into factory like work. I've always believed, even before I found the research from Herbert Friedenberger, that that's where things changed. That's where we lost a lot of meeting our human needs and shifted to striving versus thriving. And so because that burnout report is validating this for me, I was looking for more patterns, more evidence that this is, this was root cause. Because if we know why something happened, we have a better ability to change it because our brains are always just pulling from old patterns and putting us on repeat in our behavior. So if we want to change our behavior, we've got to know more about What's the pattern? Why does it exist if, if we want to disrupt it? And the other reason this is important to me is you can Google or read books about how to address burnout and it'll tell you what to do. But if we don't know why we're doing what we do to start with, it's going to be hard to change our behaviors because our our behaviors are scripted patterns. Like Like if you always walked the same path in the woods and you decided one day that you wanted to do it differently. Like if the path that you walked in the woods was labeled burnout, and that's the path that you took. And you said, you know what? I'm not going to walk the burnout path today. But when you got to the edge of the woods and you saw how rough and briars and tangled the rest of the way through the woods was, you'd be less inclined to take the harder route. You'd say, I'm just going to take that route that's called burnout. Because it's known. It's what we've done. If you've ever ridden trail horses, trail horses are trail horses, and they're not getting off that trail. <laughs> and our brains are much like that. And so I, want, I, I need to know why. Because if we're going to disrupt patterns, knowing why makes a big difference. And so... What I've learned now in comparing these two things, like the the shift from agricultural age to industrial age and the burnout report, here's 
what's interesting. And I'm, I'm looking at the, the newsletter that I published today. If you aren't subscribing, there's some good stuff in there. Go to wethrive.live and pop your name in there. Quite frankly, I've got two websites going right now. They're connected, so don't worry about it. But there's RebeccaFleetwoodEshen.com where you get to a thousand thriving women and most of my other stuff. But I haven't shut down the whole wethrive.live site. Information you probably didn't need. <laughs> and so this connection or this pattern. So when we switched from the agricultural age to the industrial age, this was a significant shift in our behaviors and society, right? And I believe this is where the seeds of burnout were planted. And we have just been watering them and harvesting them and over and over and over and over. So in the agricultural society, the farming community, farms were actually created for a shared food source, which is the epitome of working together in a community, which is the way God wired us to be, is to live and work together and serve one another. And so in this agricultural society, living in the the farm community was about living and working together to, to share in the work in a way that served each other. And also in the agricultural age, there was a huge reliance on faith because the weather or critters, locusts, something out of our control could ruin things. There was a reliance on faith. A lot of prayers were said because everyone knew that life was uncertain and there were bad things that could happen at any time. Also in the agricultural age, you knew how your part of the community mattered. You had a sense, you, you knew like I plant crops, I raise livestock, I grow herbs for medicine, I make, I spin yarn for clothes, I am the pastor, I am the school teacher. There was this knowing of your role in how the community and society work together. Everybody knew their place. And you were serving another human with your role. So it was very much human to human service and connection. Now, the industrialist came along and said, hey, do you want to get in out of the elements? You want to get in out of the weather? Come inside to the factory where you'll be safe. And you don't have to be so worried and uncertain about things because I'm going to pay you every week. And so we moved out of nature inside. We moved away from the faith required to live with uncertainty because we were promised a paycheck every week. So it gave us a greater sense of control. But when we got inside to the factory, what we didn't realize was we lost a lot of our human connection. Because now, instead of just knowing who you are and going to show up and serve, now you go into the factory and you've got a job to do for somebody else's business. You've got you to show up, prove yourself, 
and always work harder because somebody else is paying you. And so this starts a pattern. So we're no longer serving human to human. Now we're working for the paycheck. Because if you don't show up on the farm, it means that people suffer the consequences of you not being there, of you not planting the crops or not running the church service or you not making the clothes or whatever your role was. Now, if you didn't show up in the factory, you just didn't get paid. The kind of way that work played out was it was less about us showing up to serve and it was more about somebody else with the plan and us showing up to be paid. So we got to prove ourselves, work harder, and it's more about the money than it is the human element. You with me so far? (laughs) And when we got this sense of control, of certainty, it fueled this strong independence in us because it wasn't as much about community. And it lulled us into this sense of control versus the farm where bad things happen, locust weather and all that could dramatically change life. Faith took a back seat because we believed that maybe now ruled the world. Well, we did have an economic uptick. It did help us financially. So that fueled the money first mindset. Because that was so beneficial, we changed our education system to be one that was built on this factory model. And when we did that, we deepened that sense of independence and achievement. Because at school, helping is cheating. And somebody else gives you the assignment and the grade. There's somebody out there with the answers. So we've got to prove ourselves to somebody else to feel a sense of fulfillment. Instead of showing up and serving, we're proving ourselves and working harder. That became the mantra of success for work and school. Prove yourself, work harder. And because parenting is so damn uncertain of a job and a role, we used the education model of achievement to tell us if we're good parents. There's a lot of years of parenting before you know if it's working out okay or not, which is the definition of uncertainty. And so parents started to rely on good grades, attendance. Did you win the game? Did you get the part? Because that felt like we were good being good parents if our kids are getting good grades, having good attendance, and winning. So now we've even further deepened the prove yourself, work harder. These two things became the mantra of success that has been passed on generation after generation for over a hundred years. Think about that. The patterns of success that have been ingrained in us are prove yourself and work harder for a hundred years. Bad news. The study on burnout from 1974 says the first two stages of burnout, the root of burnout, prove yourself, work harder. So what we thought was the answer or the solution is actually the problem. And now that I've seen this, I can't stop saying it. I'm obsessed over it. 
because we have to flip the script on the story. Because that story of prove yourself and work harder is the one that is perpetuating burnout. So even if you work for an amazing leader, an amazing company that doesn't want that, even if that's what's being told to you by your boss and your boss's boss and all the people in your company, it's pretty hardwired in you. So even if your boss says, take the breaks that you need, you still think, I got to prove myself. Even if your boss says, I don't want you checking email on vacation, you still think you got to prove yourself. So it's not about the company culture being the problem. We're the problem. And we've been perpetuating it for decades. And so I know there's a different way because the, the different way is what I teach my clients, the people that I'm working with, with one-on-one coaching, leadership teams that I work with, consulting for their business. The flip of the script of the story is to go from proving yourself to knowing and being yourself. Because when you show up knowing your gifts and talents and authentically using them to serve, that brings in energy and connection and people want to be a part of that. Proving yourself is draining and exhausting. That's striving. Being yourself and showing up as yourself and knowing your gifts and talents, that's thriving. And instead of working harder all the time, we show up, we, we add value, we make sure we're relevant, we make an impact. I'm not saying become slackers. No, 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 no. You're still working, but you're working to add value, make an impact not just working more hours, not just working harder. In the world of thriving, what I teach is you're going to show up, add value, make an impact, and then you're going to rest, regulate, and repeat. Rest your body, regulate your nervous system so you're ready to get up and do it again tomorrow. It works. People that do this And I'm not the only one teaching how to do this. There are others. They just, they may do it a little bit differently, but flipping the script of this story, it works. People feel better. They get more impact out of their work. They're serving in much bigger, bolder, more beautiful ways. But to do that is to swim upstream because when society is built on prove yourself and work harder, The minute that the uncertainty comes, you want to go back to those old patterns and you start to question, why aren't there more people doing this? Am I doing it wrong? So I lay in bed at night and I think about how can I impact more people so that I can get millions of us doing it in this new script, this new story? Because if we don't get millions of us, we're stuck in this for another hundred years. If we change the education system, we might knock it back to about 30 more years. But I'm barely going to get to enjoy this in my lifetime, and I won't get to enjoy the, the massive societal shift in my lifetime without a change in education and without millions of us. And I just know that now. But I got to keep doing my part with clients, with teams. And that's why I created A Thousand Thriving Women. 
because I want you to join this movement of flipping that script and getting away from proving yourself and working harder. I'm like, when I tell you that I'm passionate about this, I don't think I can accurately describe how important this is to me, which is why I made a thousand thriving women 30 bucks a month. Y'all mama needs to pay the bills, but I made it effective for most everybody that's working to afford it. And it's less than an hour's worth of content every month. Bite-sized videos that you can watch in between things, two to 11 minutes long each. And then a couple of times a month, jump into the community live Zoom sessions with me so I can answer your questions and we can go deeper and you can meet these other amazing women. And then you know that you're not alone making the changes. Knowing you're not alone as you make changes, like when you're taking that other path in the woods, instead of the one that's worn down that says burnout, it's nice to know that other people are knocking down the briars with you. I'm not even kidding y'all. I'm begging you. <laughs> Come be a part of this because we can create a ripple effect of impact in a way that is bigger than, it's just bigger, bigger. That's what I want. So the next time that you get that feeling, whatever it sounds like in your own head, that you need to prove yourself. And we need to just pause and say, no, I don't. I just need to be myself and show up and serve. I need to know myself. I need to know my gifts and talents. I need to know what I'm good at, but I don't need to prove myself. And the next time you want to work more hours and give up your weekend or give up a night out with your friends or give up the something at your kid's school, no, you don't. No, you don't. You need to rest. You need some stillness to regulate your nervous system. Then you get up tomorrow and you do a good job. But breaking the cycle, if you don't join a thousand thriving women and do it with me, or you don't sign up for coaching with me, find a way to flip the script on the story that prove yourself and work harder is the secret to the success because it's not the answer. It's the fucking problem. Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And then you can go to RebeccaFleetwoodHessian.com and join the Badass Women's Council. And if you really want to take a deeper dive, join the movement of a thousand thriving women. There's amazing Thrive tools there for you today. Love you, mean it. I'm not coming down. Hey y'all, fun fact, if you like the music for the podcast, that is actually my son, Cameron Hessian, and I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music, my personal favorites, TV Land. <laughs>